I have a sense this morning that we have some people here that have experienced the healing power of God's God only not only loves and sees broken people, he puts pieces back together. Just felt led to do this while uh, Lorraine was singing that song and the Lord's Spirit was here in that. If you would be so bold, um, while I know there are people here today that have experienced the healing power of those pieces coming back together, we need to recognize there are others in this room that feel broken and haven't. If you would be so bold, if that's you, just to raise your hand. I want to pray for you in this holy moment right now. Heavenly Father, you see every hand. So God, I just ask right now that while your presence is in this place, that this would be more than just a beautiful song. It would be more than a lyric on a screen. But that you would begin to piece together pieces that have been shattered for whatever reason. I pray that those who lifted their hand in faith, Lord, in this moment and moving ahead today and the days ahead, would know your healing power. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Man, it's hard to move on after that. I'm just being honest with you. I want to introduce to you so, to uh, some special people that are in my life. They're not here in person, although they're coming and flying to Pittsburgh this week, and they'll be at ACAC next weekend, but they're going to put a picture for now up here. This is my mom and dad. Richard and Esther Hannah, and uh, this is their, I love this picture, um, the picture frame, this is their wedding picture, because earlier this year they celebrated 50 years of marriage, and uh, okay, there we go. Now this, this next picture is circa 1973, is in one of my favorites, because none of my siblings are in the picture. You guessed it, that's me there in the middle. I mean, what a handsome young man. <laughs> he, he is my, we grew up in Newcastle. We left Newcastle when I was about 16. But yeah, this is 1973. And uh, my dad is someone that has always been extremely uh, significant and close in my life. And just a couple other pictures here. This next one is from 1996. And uh, this is my wife, Tara, there. And we were dating at the time. I had just graduated from college, and this was our dinner. And before I had ever knew, know that I was going to be in full-time ministry or a pastor, my dad had a moment where uh, just prayed over me. It's uh, significant. Whenever I see this picture, I remember that moment. Pretty significant in my life. And then, um, this is more for fun, but my dad, if you know him at all, loves baseball. I mean, Roberto Clemente and... Bill Mazeroski are two of his favorite all-time baseball players. He's a Pirate fan. This is 2014. I had the privilege of singing the national anthem at PNC Park. And so this is before that happened down there on the field. And um, you don't know my dad. Many of you don't. Uh, you've never met my father. You don't know what he's passionate about. You haven't seen his quirks, his personality, and the things that make him unique. And yet, you actually do. Why? Because many of you know me. You've come to know my likes, as you've heard me preach, or maybe have gotten to know me outside of service. You've discovered what I'm passionate about. You've discovered my quirks and personality and the things that make me unique. And so while you have never met my father, unbeknownst to you, you have actually 
experienced a decent picture of who he is because you have experienced his son, me. You see, from my dad, I learned and to this day value several things. One, I learned from my dad to have a good sense of humor. My dad loves to laugh, and we grew up in a home where we found moments of laughter and sarcasm and poked fun at each other. And if you've learned that about me, that came from my dad. Another thing that I've picked up from my dad is I love, one of my favorite things to do is if I can get an early morning at a diner like an Allegheny sandwich shop and uh, have a newspaper. Now, for those of you who are young or you're watching online, a newspaper is actual paper that the news is on. How many of you still read the newspaper today? Okay, there's about four of us keeping the trip in the Post-Gazette in business. But I just, there's nothing like reading the newspaper. I don't want to read it on one of these or on a computer. But I, I picked up that for my dad. And we kind of joke in our family, and my wife will tell you, you know, you can find me with a cup of coffee and a newspaper by myself in a corner of some restaurant. And I'm like, that's my heaven. But I picked that up for my dad. I learned from my dad uh, to read, the importance of reading a good book. And even learning from others that we should always be growing and learning no matter whatever age may be. I value from my dad, he passed down the value of healthy relationships. I'm relational today because my dad is relational. I learned from my dad to dream big, to think outside of the box, to push boundaries, if you will. So if you ever get frustrated with me because I extend and push those boundaries and ask, why do we have to do it that way? Isn't there a better way to do it? That came from my dad, so get mad at him. <laughs> I learned from my dad to put a high priority on family. My dad was great about finding moments from a young kid and treasuring moments with um, my mom or us as kids. And to this day, I look for those moments to spend with my kids. I learned uh, from my dad a love of sports came from my dad. I remember watching him at a young age and not just watching and enjoying or attending sporting events, but the lessons that both playing sports and watching sports, you can learn from them. My dad was a pastor, and I got to watch him pastor at a young age in Newcastle. And from him, I learned the importance of what it meant to serve people, to serve the local church. And last, uh, I hope that I've learned from my father what he's passed down to me is how to love like Jesus did. How to love people who don't look like me, who don't think like me, and maybe even annoy me at times. Uh, my dad was really good at doing that. You see, I am my father's son. And in a lot of ways, if you know me, you know my father. Well, there was a time Jesus said some very familiar words, or very similar words, rather, speaking to his closest friends, the disciples. And the story is told in the book of John. Before we look at those specific verses, let me set the scene for you. Jesus and his closest friends had just celebrated the Passover dinner. We took communion, which commemorates that. And following Passover meal, Jesus is talking to his friends, these disciples, and he's preparing them for what is about to come. And he tells them, I'm going to be leaving you, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when it's ready, and when I'm ready, and the Father sends me back, I will come and get you. But in the meantime, Jesus tells them, you know the way to where I'm going. Well, Thomas, a bit confused, speaks up, and he blurts out to Jesus, no, we actually don't know where you're going, Jesus. So how can we know the way? 
And then Jesus responds with this familiar verse that many of you probably know and have heard before when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. That leads us to verse 7. And Jesus said to his friends, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. So from now on, you do know him, speaking of his father, and you have seen him. Well, now Philip is a bit confused, like Thomas, and he's a bit frustrated. And Philip says to Jesus, show us the father. And then Jesus, finishing the lesson, says to Philip and the rest of the disciples these words. He says, have I been with you all this time? Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am, he asks. So why are you asking me? If any, I'm sorry, if anyone has seen me, has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own. But my Father who lives in me does his work through me. First and foremost... Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling us today, that the only way to the Father, the only way to God, is through Jesus. But if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what the Father is like, all you have to do, Jesus says, is pay attention to me. When when we learn, when we want to learn what's important to the Father's heart, All we have to do is get to know his son, Jesus. So here's where I'm going with this as we kick off a month in which our focus is on what we call missions, God's desire for us to reach the nations with the good news of the gospel. When we think or when we speak about missions, we often go directly to Jesus. And rightfully so. Jesus lived a missional life. He loved people where they were, and he was always pointing them to the Father. We often think of Matthew 28, Jesus' words in the Great Commission. You probably expected to hear that today as we kicked off Missions Month. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those were Jesus' words. So when we talk about missions, we tend to start there. We also, in talking of missions and thinking of missions, we think of the Holy Spirit's role to empower us, to equip us. We could go to the book of Acts and think about Jesus' words when he speaks of the Holy Spirit's role in equipping us. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? Jesus continues, because you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Judea and Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, I am going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the mission. And the mission is to tell people here locally, closest to you, and to those as far as away as you could get. Your job is to tell them about me, to tell people about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will empower you to do that. So when it comes to missions, we think of the Son and we think of the Spirit. However, If we stop there, we will have a limited view and a a limited perspective on a biblical, a full biblical picture of missions. Because missions begins in the heart of the Father. So my hope this month 
is asking this question, could it be that God desires to have our eyes wide open to a broader and a fuller understanding of the Father's heart when it comes to reaching the lost? So our main text for today is John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. If you have your Bibles or they're on your phone, you want to open it up, I'll give you a moment to do that. John chapter 20, they will put it on the screen here in a minute. Now, this portion of Scripture is going to give us what I believe a big picture or a full view of God's heart towards missions. And hopefully it will challenge all of us to respond accordingly. And before we get to that verse, again, to give you some context, it's Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And the Bible says that that morning, Jesus, of course, has been crucified. And Easter Sunday morning, the stone has been rolled away. And Mary Magdalene, the Bible says, is the first person to arrive at the tomb. She is the first one to discover that Jesus is not there. So a bit confused and wondering where Jesus is and what happens What happened? She goes and she finds Peter and she finds John. Then the three of them go back to the tomb and, again, discover that the tomb is empty. So it skips forward in the story and we discover later that day, Peter and John are now gone, but Mary has remained at the empty tomb. The Bible says that she's crying. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to Mary. And after comforting her, he gives her a specific message. He says, Mary, I want you to take this message Back to the disciples. And Jesus says to her, go and tell them that I am going to see my father. Then he says, their father. He says, I am going to see my God, their God. So later that day, we find at verse 19, the Bible says that that Sunday evening, this is Easter Sunday night, Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors Because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now understand this, you probably do. Jesus was crucified by the Jewish leaders. So in the disciples' mind, Jesus is gone. He's out of the picture. He's no longer there to protect them. So they're locked up in a room thinking that they are next. And that's where we find them, locked in a room in fear. But suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. And he says to them, peace be with you. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. In John's account of Jesus... In the Gospel of John, we will see that John places an incredible amount of attention on the fact that Jesus repeats that he was sent by his Father. In fact, about 40 times throughout the entire Gospel of John, we hear Jesus saying, I was sent by my Father. So the implication for us is clear. Jesus did not come to earth as an independent agent with his own message. Jesus came to earth to do what the Father told him to do, to say what the Father told him to say. Jesus, his message, his purpose, and his mission were not his own. It came directly from the Father. In fact, Jesus says as much 
In John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. It comes from the Father. So recognizing this, we understand that the Father, we understand that God is a missionary God. God has been pursuing people. The Father has been pursuing people since the very beginning. And here is the big idea I believe that we can gain from John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. It's this. We need to understand that missions starts in the Father's heart. And he is on a mission to gather people to encounter his love and extend his glory. When we speak of missions, when we think of missions, we have to understand and recognize that it begins, the genesis of it begins in the Father's heart. And the Father's heart is to see all people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all people encounter the love and grace of the Father to extend his glory. Missions did not begin with Jesus. Missions did not begin with the Holy Spirit. Missions, the desire to pursue people and reach lost people, began in the heart of the Father. Now, I want to teach you a little bit of doctrine. I promise I won't go too deep on this, but there is a phrase that we often use as Christians called the Trinity, which explains God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune God. So I want to make sure we're all starting on the same page with this. And then I want to talk about the Trinity or the triune God's relationship to missions or how it began in missions. So I drew up this. We understand, hopefully we should all understand, that there is only one God. One God. You with me? Say amen. Amen. And there are plenty of examples. You know, Some people use the example of an apple, an egg, or water. Uh, I'll be honest with you, all of those examples, while they can help, have flaws in them. But let me explain uh, the Trinity or a triune God this way. The best way to explain it, if I can find it here in my notes. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. God is one God. He is one God who eternally exists in three persons. These three persons yet are all equally God and all equally persons. Yet there is only one God. Are we crystal clear on that now? Of course you are. We serve one God. Yet God is made up of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. One God, but yet equally equally separate. So now when it comes to missions... We understand that when Jesus says he only does what his father sent him to do, missions was established in the heart of the father. Jesus was following the father's instructions. So as we talk about missions and we look at the Trinity, triune God, we understand or should understand that missions began in the father's heart. However, the son, Jesus, embodied missions. If you think about it even this way, Jesus was the first missionary. Jesus was sent, he said so himself, by the Father. And while here, Jesus embodied what it meant to live mission, missionally. Jesus carried out the Father's desire. So the Son embodied it. So if you think about the Great Commission, Jesus didn't originate the Great Commission necessarily. He was just repeating the heart of the Father. 
He was sharing what was important to his father. Now, the Spirit empowers the mission. The Father established it, the Son embodied it, and it is the Spirit who empowers us. Do you see the role of God? Do you see the role of a triune God when it comes to missions? Here is the implication then, based on this, for all of us today who claim to be Christians or follow Jesus. You don't have a choice when it comes to missions. If the Father established the mission and the Son embodied it and the Spirit empowers it, they are in unity when it comes to missions, pursuing people with God's love and grace, all people. We do not have a choice when it comes to missions. You don't have the option of just checking a box or saying, yeah, I like missions. Yeah, I'm passionate about missions. I think that's a good thing to do. As a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, it is not optional for you. Because the Father has established it in his heart. Our mission comes straight from the Father. Jesus said it himself. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, speaking to his disciples, he said, I send you. And that message is for us as well as his disciples. Let me give you an example this way. How many of you have served in our armed forces? Raise your hand if you served in our armed forces. Can we thank them? So many of you will probably remember this. When you were a young recruit, maybe you got off a bus for the first time and you show up at the base, there was probably an angry sergeant who was yelling and saying things that we're not allowed to say in church at you. And, and so you get out and you're, you're all there in line and the drill sergeant comes and he says, forward march. And one by one, all of the young recruits are marching. But this Drill sergeant looks back over his shoulder after about 100 yards and he realizes that there is one young recruit that is not following in line. He's still standing by the bus. So the drill sergeant goes back and, of course, gets about an inch from his face and there's spit and sweat going. And he says, boy, did you not hear me when I said forward march? And the scared young recruit said, yes, sir. Well, why are you still standing here and not forward marching? And the young recruit responds, you did not call my name is what he said to the drill sergeant. Here's the thing for us. Oftentimes when it comes to missions, we respond the same way that young recruit did. God has already called us to go on a mission. Some of us are standing by the bus waiting for Jesus to tap us on the shoulder and call our name. And he's already give us, given us marching orders. You don't have to pray and patiently wait to know if Jesus has called you to be a part of missions. I can tell you he has. And there are 66 books in the Bible that have reinforced God's mission for us to be involved and a part of the mission of reaching all people with the love of Jesus Christ so that he received glory. Mission starts, it begins in the Father's hearts and he is on a mission to gather people to encounter his love and extend his glory. This was the mission of Jesus. And this is our mission. So the question is whether, the question is not whether or not we are called. The question is whether we will partner with him, whether we will obey the orders and get in line with God's mission. So you may ask then, Pastor Allen, are you saying that God has called me to go to Indonesia? Are you saying that I'm supposed to sell everything I have and go to Africa or another country? No, not necessarily. There are unique 
ways in which to be involved and to be on mission in missions. So the question as we wrap this up today is, how are we individually supposed to go on mission? Let me finish with these quick three things. Each of us are to go on mission this way. One, as a living sacrifice. Each of us are to be a living sacrifice in missions. If you go back to our text for today, John chapter 20, verse 20, as Jesus was speaking, he said, the Bible said that he showed them his hands, his pierced hands. Jesus walked in the room and he showed them his pierced side. Jesus showed them the sacrifice that he had made for them. And when they saw the sacrifice that he made, they were filled with joy. I can tell you now, all of us are called to be a part of missions. And a part of that, we all have to sacrifice. Some of you, yes, God will be calling or has called to go to foreign countries. God has called some of you to do that. My prayer is that during this month that you're open to that and you respond to God's call and that you connect with Pastor Bryce. Has he called every one of us to do that? Of course not. But all of us are to sacrifice. The que- God has called all of us to sacrifice financially. The question is not, should I give to missions? The question is, how much should I give and where should that money go? So if you'll get out your checkbook, we're going to receive. I'm joking. We're not going to receive. But seriously, the question isn't, should we give? God has called us to support the mission of the church. God has called us, those people that have sold everything that they have. We have people in this church, a family, quit their jobs, sold everything they had, took their daughter to the other side of the earth. Lord, help us if we're not supporting them financially. Lord, help us if we're not giving, whether it's this church or other missions organizations. God has called us to look at our checkbook, to be sacrificial and financially giving to missions. But it goes beyond finances. God has called us to sacrifice our time. Now, some of that time, you may not go permanently on the other side of the earth. But what about a short-term missions trip? How many of you have ever experienced that? Probably the majority, a few of you have. There are opportunities. We have a group going to Thailand, I believe, later this year or after the first of the year. There are opportunities for your eyes to be widened, your perspective to be broadened. Maybe your sacrifice is instead of going to a beach and using a week's vacation at work for that, to go on a short-term missions trip to allow God to use you in ways that he never has before. But he's called you to sacrifice. For others of you, okay, maybe you won't go long-term. Maybe you won't go short-term. But God has called you to sacrifice comfort. Instead of huddling up as a family and binge watching a show or watching a movie, to invite someone into your home to break bread together, to relationally get to know them, to allow God to use you to share your story of how he's healed broken pieces in your life. Maybe it's the comfort of walking across the street to a family you don't know that has a different religious belief as you do and to purposefully and missionally befriend them and love them and accept them and share and let them see what God has done in your life. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's in the marketplace. But all of us have to sacrifice something. He's called all of us. He's also called us to be an ambassador. Jesus said in verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, again, Jesus said, I am sending you. We have been sent to fulfill the mission of God, all of us. 
You are an ambassador. One of my best friends from college, his name is Reuben. He was actually in that picture when my dad was praying on me. He was sitting beside my wife. He married a girl named Allie and an incredibly smart girl. And she served as a United States ambassador in about four or five countries. They lived in all over the world. And I remember having a conversation with her about what that meant. What does it mean to be an ambassador? And I'll never forget, she was sharing with me and she said, my job is to represent the best interests of the country who sent me while living in a foreign land. Now, most of us here are probably citizens of the United States, but spiritually speaking, we are aliens. We are ambassadors. Peter said so as much. So we are ambassadors and we are here and should be living to fulfill the interests of the one who sent us. Who sent us? Jesus. So wherever you live, Whatever God has called you vocationally to do, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, no matter your age, if you're a college student, if you're a young person, you are an ambassador to the kingdom of God. And that's what it means to live missionally. He's called you to be a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. He's called you to be an ambassador. And lastly, he's called you to live as an empowered missionary. You probably didn't know this, but when you walked in today, I just wanted to tell you, you are a missionary. You're a missionary. Look around. This room is filled with missionaries. If you're a Christ follower, you're a missionary. Now, you may not have a newsletter. You may not have the title international worker. You may not live in a foreign country. You may not be raising financial support. But God has called you to be a missionary. And we need to start seeing ourselves as that. Too often we complicate it. And being a missionary, God hasn't... Doesn't doesn't mean you have to memorize 30 verses of the Bible and carry tracts in your pocket and know the four spiritual laws like the back of your hand. It doesn't mean you have to have a master of divinity degree. All God is asking you to do is to build relationships, to have eyes open to people that are in your area of influence and let them see what Jesus has done in your life. We just talked about Many of you have experienced the healing power of God taking broken pieces and putting them back together. The best story you have is letting your neighbors, letting your coworkers, letting your friends see that restorative process that God has done in your life. And then just sharing with them, this is what Jesus has done in my life. This is what he means to me. This is why I go to church. This is why I'm a part of a community of faith. This is why I read God's word. See how we overcomplicate it? But we are all called to be missionaries because it begins in the Father's heart. So throughout the course of this month, we are going to hear from people on mission with Jesus. Next weekend, we're going to hear from an international worker who serves on the front lines of a country where there is not the freedom to worship like we have just done. We're going to hear from our missions pastor, Pastor Bryce, who on a regular basis, really on a weekly basis, spends hours on Zoom calls and on telephone calls with missionaries from all over the world and here in Pittsburgh, hearing the struggles, praying with them, celebrating the stories of salvation. We're also going to hear from someone within our congregation that is an incredible leader. She leads local ministries and working with refugees and immigrants. God's mission's work is here locally, just as it is on the other side of the earth. And then we are going to be blessed 
to have the president of our denomination, the Alliance, join us, President John Stumbo. John is a godly man, has an incredible heart for the world, and it's an honor and privilege that we have at ACAC to have him here at the end of the month. So as we pray, not only am I going to ask that in your quiet times of devotion that you pray for our missionaries, you pray for the missions work that we partner with and in your role, but how about we carve out extra time? Maybe take a, an extra hour. Maybe if you have a 30-minute commute, make the decision that during the month of October, you're not going to listen to sports talk radio or an audio book or whatever it may be, and you're going to turn the radio off and just pray specifically and strategically about God's mission to reach all people. Would you join me in that and praying? And praying that God would open your eyes, God would open our eyes. What role do we have? What should we give of our finances, our resources, of our time? And what role does God have for us in missions? Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that it began in your heart that you pursued us. Help us understand that we now are to pursue people. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you.